Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, here today to discuss the upcoming game against Manchester City and review the Spurs game and also take a quick look at some of the transfer news over the last 48 hours or even longer as we walk towards the close of the transfer window. Joined tonight by Sammy. How are you going, Mr. Moustache? Oh, what a week. Um, I'm I'm Mr. Moustache. I'm also Mr. Annoying pimple on my face it's kind of behind one of my moles it's one of those ones underneath the surface but you know what it's just been such a crazy awesome good week in fulham land or cottage land or west london whatever you want to call it it's uh nah really really happy to be here a classic sam overshare in the intro love it what's up um, what's up <laughs> Dad, you're holding in your laughter there dad how are we going I'm very well, thanks. I'm very, very well. Happy, happy evening, family. Have you got any pimples you want to discuss, or are we all good to just uh, crack into it? Uh, Ingrown hairs, things. just scars of any kind, like tags, you know? Tags okay, let's uh, keep moving. So, really good. I'm really good, thanks. Good stuff. Right, let's um crack into it. And uh, obviously, we need to cover the FA Cup game, uh, the one-all draw, and then a win on penalties for Fulham and... Um, a really good result, I think, for Fulham. These Carabao Cup ties have been pretty dicey for us in the past. You look back to the Crawley Town game last year where we got battered 2-0, and I remember looking back and thinking this is going to be a long and hard and horrible season. And if you look at the starting eleven, or at least the finishing eleven in that game, there's a lot of players in the under-21s, even the under-18 squad, who were sort of forced out there. I think Diop made his debut in that game as well, and looked pretty atrocious mm. um it, it it didn't go well for us and the the cup really doesn't work in our favor a lot of the time uh i think back to losses against both teams in bristol um and you know tough draws and things like that and this did look like a bit of a tough draw at first um but to actually get a result against a team like tottenham who've been doing really well so far under Ange postacoglu so far this season play a lot of attacking football, um, good-looking football, and getting results off the back of it. Dad, were you um, at all surprised with the result, considering the the way we started the season with that loss to Brentford and Tottenham doing so well? Yeah, I really was. Um, I, it, it, When we were discussing possible predictions, I, I was really trying to be positive. I was trying to be hopeful, but... You know, I had no particular reason or no basis to be that hopeful. Let's be honest. Um, that's probably not. That's probably not entirely fair. We had a very, very good outing at at um, at the Emirates, and it was a really good showing. So there, I guess there were some green shoots there, but I, I I didn't think we would do what we did, and it just proves that this this is most definitely a project, and we we're a uh, we love big games. We we get up for it, and we uh, this team this team loves to 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 prove itself in in really difficult circumstances. I think I would love it if going forward this is our world beater um, season. You know, we've seen it with Brentford. We've seen it with like Brighton. <clears throat> like a couple of years into like the Premier League, they actually start like causing some serious upsets. I mean. Drawn with Arsenal, beat Tottenham, got Man City coming up. It's exciting stuff. It's exciting. But, yeah, it's just, I, I, 
I mean, I genuinely thought it was a really fun game to watch. Treore is really fast. That's always fun. Doesn't really have that much of an end result, but that's that's okay. Bless him. Uh, no, is I mean, this this was. Uh, look, I'll be honest. I I don't care too much for the Carabao Cup. Um, but now I do. Now I'm fully invested. <laughs> now I'm, now yeah, I'm totally yeah, yeah. ready. Yeah, I'm yeah. like I'm like let's go Carabao. I'm pretty sure it's a beer of some kind. I I want it now. I want it. You know. Yeah. I was going to say. Can I go on? Sorry, Dad. Yeah. No, no. Go, go carry on, Jack. Oh no, I was just going to say in Sam's um preview, which um hopefully people saw. We posted a couple of previews on Twitter and TikTok before the game, and I do remember you multiple times saying, Sam. I don't care about Carabao Cup. I don't, I don't care. You kept I... on calling it the Carabao. Yeah, because I um, don't care. It's not the FA Cup. But... It's not Champions League. It's not the sexy one. Bless it. Oh, but you know wait what? Till, you'll take wait till Tom Kearney oh. is on the plinth hoisting the silverware into the air. <laughs> oh, mate, and, and then I will be... Whipping it around your head. <laughs> oh, mate, I, I will be there, tits out, everything. It's going to be great. If that, if that moment happens... I will be defending the Carabao Cup for years to come <laughs> as the promoting only hero. No photo, no photo. No photo. Um, Dad, go ahead. What were you going to say? What I was going to say was, you know, in all our rantings about um, disappointment and frustration in the transfer window, not not once uh, to articulate, not once did I ever think that the players we had aren't good enough. I just want more. I want backup. And I want more so we can push on. But mm. what I, you know, these guys, um, and when I say these guys, I'm, I'm looking at the more, I don't know, more unsung, um, sort of not, uh, not, not glory players in the Premier League, like the Bobby Decadova Reeds, like the Harrison Reeds, the really hardworking, great team men. These guys uh, absolutely stand up. Harry Wilson, I'd put in there as well. You know, by by no means uh, Premier League superstars, but geez, when 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 you put a team together who really want to play for each other and want to play for the manager, amazing things happen. Honestly, yeah, and you know, you you made a slight mention of the team there itself, and um, I was slightly surprised personally at the team that we put out. I was expecting a lot more rotation than we actually saw in the end. Um, you know, we had uh, Harrison Reed Polina starting, which I was not expecting. Um, mm. Diop, Tete, Robinson all getting a start. I, I, we did make six changes to the starting lineup, but I, I kind of expected 10 or 11 changes to the lineup. I, I don't know what you guys thought, but I wasn't expecting to see Muniz starting up front. That was the first one. That and was um, I wasn't expecting to see Polina as well after, you know, he is recovering from a bit of an injury. Um, and looking at Tete and Robinson starting on uh, on the wing back uh, well, as fullbacks, um, you know we don't have good enough backup. I know we'll talk about the signing of Castagna later in the pod, but at at the moment we I don't think we have enough backup in those positions to kind of risk those players in games like this. So I was genuinely surprised that we went with such a strong lineup. But at the same time, it's kind of nice to see. Marco taking it maybe a bit more seriously than last season. Maybe he does have a bit more faith in our squad depth this year and saying, you know, maybe we are actually good enough to to go all the way and push in and put a bit of clout to this competition. 
yeah, who knows what Marco thinks? We keep trying to second guess that, but we really don't, do we? Yeah. And he's quite—he's he's sort of—he's in in a way, he's kind of predictable, but unpredictable, if you know what I mean. He is certain things that he, that he's very highly predictable on, and then he'll just do the occasional team selection, which I go, oh yeah, particularly around the wings. Um, I think he's, he's he's actually quite difficult to predict predict in terms of who who his favourite second tier striker is um i think i think in defense we kind of know what he's going to do most of the time but maybe at fullback it's because we really don't have that many options um but yeah uh again what what he does in in midfield is, is sometimes a bit of a mystery well, I'll give hats off to Sammy here because I'm just having a quick look at our predicted lineups, and Sam was definitely the most inside Marco's head. I think you got pretty close to the starting lineup there, Sammy. Um, but yeah, look, it, it was it was a strong team, and and we performed really well. I thought we kind of dominated the first half. It was a bit more even in the second, um, mm. but that first goal uh, came about through Robinson bombing down the wing, and I have to say his delivery so far this season has looked far far better than previous seasons he's looking a lot more dangerous and um it, it was uh, admittedly i thought at first it was a amazing harrison reed um back heel flick over the top of the keeper but turns out it was a deflected own goal mm. yeah well uh, it, i mean it was but you know like with with i feel like it's a bit of a cop-out when own goals are like that i get the fact that like if it comes off the play in an indirect way it's an own goal but it's set up beautifully by um, Kenny and Robinson. And oh, I thought, it can't, like, Kenny, Kenny was wizardry, um, actually just dancing around, like, um, Tottenham defense. It was really, really good. I really, really liked showing up Manuel Solomon because I thought he was looking really smug the <laughs> whole game. And, like, it was, I, I thought it was a delight to see him really have a shit game, <laughs> honestly. And, um, Oh man, Rob Robinson, Robinson, he's so weird, isn't he? Because like Robinson is either pretty average or he's he's can be really incredible when he wants to be. And it's just it's just really like luck of the draw. Sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't, but there's always something there. Um with regards to like the lineup, I've kind of like figured out that um Silver just likes to keep on playing the same players. And just, I think, I think what the, the reason why I thought he was going to go with Polina is because I think he just wants to keep him as warm as possible and constantly kind yeah, of like keep that. him sharp. And like, I think that in any position that he can do that, he will. Um, as I mean, I thought he was going to have uh, Lukic and Polina again, but. I think that's that's one of the only I I got that wrong because it started with a uh, read, didn't he? But let, let's not forget yeah. that we we had a very tough fixture on last Saturday at the Emirates. Mm. It was physically very, very tough. Now, it, it, it says a lot about Polina's physical fitness, I'd say, that that Silva and Boa are comfortable to, you know, essentially playing for 90 minutes again. And, um, I, I was surprised, as we've just discussed. But, you know, in terms of Lukic, um I think um, he, I, I think he genuinely gets a rest because I think Silva's quite comfortable that there is a rotation 
a, a, um, what's the right word? A valid rotation, Policy. I want to say. Kind of. Mm. No, no, I mean, I think Silva's was quite comfortable with being able to safely rotate um, between Reed and, and Lukic. Mm. So I think yeah. Yeah, that works. I think but it, we, we all know that we drop yeah. you drop Polini out of the lineup, and it just it it just completely unbalances us. There's not a replacement for him. Sorry, Dad. Uh, I think um, I think like uh, you because you need Reed for a different game that you need um, Sasalukic. I love the pairing of um, Sasalukic and Polini at the moment because. Sasaluka just kind of just like strolls around like this weird alley cat just getting interception. He just kind of pops up places like a mushroom. He's very kind of like in and out. And you've just got Polina just bossing like the entire time, just giving him so much freedom. Um, but like in a game like this, when you're dealing with like a really, really busy Tottenham, Harrison Reed does make more sense. Um, I, I mean, my original prediction was more with my heart than my head, but I, I can I can understand because you... you if you if you've got a really really busy pitch like you would against Spurs, yeah, you, you, I guess you want Harrison Reed there. Were you surprised to see Ream play, or do you think that no, was, I wasn't. Uh, Jack, I just... um, no, not particularly. Um, I I expected Ream to play because I I I'm not sure if if Ream is a starting centre back for the rest of the season. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of rotation uh, maybe maybe he is a starting center back but he's going to be rested and rotated a lot more than he was last season i think mm. last season he played every game where he wasn't injured or suspended um i don't expect that to be the case this year i think we've got a good enough backup in bassy who's showed a bit of class i think if tosin doesn't leave as well in uh, in the next 48 hours um I, I think at that point we've now got four good quality premier league quality center backs and there's going to be a lot more rotation and we're going to see certain players picked for certain games, similar to how Sam was saying, Reed and Lukic will potentially rotate based on the situation of the game and mm. um, the way we want to play going into a game. I know Tosin is considered better with his feet, with his passing um, and Diop and, and probably Bassi from the looks of things as well seem to drive forward with the ball a little bit more. So I think if you're looking to hold possession and, um, maybe hit on the counter-attack, you look for players like Tosin and Ream to start who can pass the ball out of defence a little bit better. But if you're looking for enforcers, you might start with Diop and Bassi instead. So mm. I, I wasn't wasn't surprised to see Tim Ream getting a run out. I think that, that made a lot of sense to me. I didn't um, get Muniz. I, I, I don't. I, I still don't really get that. And I'm actually not saying he played badly. I thought he played fine. He's probably the most confident I've ever seen him play. I like the idea of getting him minutes and bringing him back in the side. And I don't know, maybe he trains really, really well, but I don't really see what he is proving to Marco Silva that Vinicius isn't. I mean, you don't really know what's happening he, behind closed doors. Muniz definitely had a couple of moments where yeah. he, he, he looked okay. And there were two or three uh, moments that I remember. Um, but I, I also remember texting Jack and saying, we're at the 25 minute mark and I haven't seen Munez. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I thought he was, he was pretty MIA for the first 25, 30 minutes. He, he definitely showed up and, you know, there's a good looking header, nice little turn on the sort of snapback where he tried to sneak one in at uh, the near post. 
and it's a good save. And and we all know any of those could have gone in and suddenly he's a hero. But, um, you know, if, if I, I think there's a big, obviously, discussion point about Vinny, around Vinny because what's going on there, he can't – is he really our third best striker at the moment? I wouldn't have thought I'm so. Not, yeah. I, 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 for, for me, the only thing is um, with Moon is, and I'm going to coin a term here. It, he felt a bit um, Mitrovicitis. It's, it, I feel like he was kind of trying to play in that Mitrovic style. He was going for headers. He was like, we were trying to like cross to him, um, and he was kind of doing all the things that we would expect our former backup strikers to do in keeping with um, make like playing in the same way that you would for an Alexander Mitrovic. But I mean, with the way that we've been playing recently with Raul and I know Vinicius um, prefers the ball at his feet. I, I just want to see more of that. So I didn't, but I, I mean, I can't speak for silver. I, I trust silver, but yeah, this is one of the ones where I just don't really get it. I'm sure Jack probably does in some capacity though. Well, I'll put a coin in the Metro jar as well and say, um, I think Mooney's is probably our closest striker in resemblance to Metro mm-hmm. in the fact that he is he's very good in the air. And we did see that because he got up between the defenders a few times and won some good headers. And, and you know, the Tottenham keeper, Fraser Forster, is, he, he's got England caps, I'm pretty sure. He's a decent keeper and he made a couple of good saves against Mooney's. I think... Muniz is probably unlucky not to score against Spurs. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say is, you know, this game, it's not a free hit because there's no such thing as a free hit, but it is a chance for Silva to experiment a little bit. And I think Vinicius is a known entity. Jimenez is obviously at the moment first choice striker. So maybe it's a chance for Silva to... A, put Mooney's in the shop window and say, anyone want this guy on loan? He's actually yeah. quite good. Yeah. And, yeah, and B, yeah. go, let's let's actually give him a crack and see if he has an opportunity, if he can actually step up and, and play well. And I think he actually, I, I know you say he didn't do anything for the first 25 minutes, but I, I kind of think he impressed because yeah, I haven't fine. seen that from Mooney's at all so far. I know he's, he's, I think he's scored a couple of goals for us in the couple of years he's been with the club, but um I haven't seen that player in the time that um, he's been there. He looks like he's improved, which is weird because mm. he went to Middlesbrough and didn't play at all last year, basically. Um, mm. So I, I, I get why Silva did it. Um, although I'm not, I, I, I don't think he's good enough to be a backup striker in the Premier League. I, I think he's a third choice. Yeah, agree. Again, I did. I don't think he played badly. I thought he was fine. I just don't get it. Just don't get I, I thought I think he I think he actually showed quite a lot of confidence to to be honest. Yeah. He looked yeah. he looked confident. It just the quality wasn't quite there, but he looked very confident and he was very positive. And yeah. I look looked more to... confident than sorry, look more confident than Vinicius did last season in his first couple of games. Can, yeah, can, I mean, that's probably true. Can can I can I ask you guys both a question? How did you feel about um, our new lovable uh, oily man Adama Traore? Because uh, he's hey, uh, I haven't it. seen I haven't seen any oil on his arms. Yeah, I did, I did. I did pick that. I did pick that. Anyway, Jack, go on. May, maybe 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 there was a oily sponsorship deal while he was at Wolves, and that's now lost. 
Oh, actually, before I forget as well, before I forget, on um, No Oily, one thing that I picked up um, from Jimenez when he came on is he wasn't wearing um, his uh, little head sitch thing, which for me says he's getting confident and he's maybe turning over a kind of like new leaf. And I love that. Anyway, back to Treori. I'm guessing he actually didn't do that because he only came on for seven minutes at the very end and basically came on to take a penalty. Don't take this away from me. Anyway, Jack, uh, go on. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love the bloke. I, I think he um, he offers what we wanted from AK-47, what we wanted from Dan James. He He's confident. That's what I love the most. He gets the ball and he backs himself to just run through the middle of um, a, of a team. There was, a, there was one point he, he sort of just ran through two players and they just yeah. sort of got left behind. And uh, he's the kind of player who you expect would just boot the ball into the corner and just back himself to get there before anyone else does. And I kind of Cheap love mode. that. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. I think um, having someone like yeah. that is, it just opens the game up massively. And he gets the ball, I get excited that he might do that. And yes, he doesn't have the final product that, yeah. um, you know, a proper striker does because then he would be Mbappe. Um, but <laughs> he, he 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 offers something that we haven't had for a while, which is really solid raw pace, but confidence to go with that raw pace. Do, I do. do you think I... we're wired? Do you think we're wired to to actually exploit that often enough? Do you think we could be actually doing that even more often? Well, I think I mean from the last couple of games that we've had, I've seen um, Tom Candy be very confident at essentially yeah. lobbing the ball and going Traore go, and you know what? It's what we did always want from Dan James, but that is what Traore does. He's like he's like literally a dog trying to like catch um, a stick because that's what he's done at like five other clubs now. So if anyone can do that, he really I can't remember who it was, but somebody's coined him pretty recently as a cheat code, and it's one hundred percent correct. You it's lock the ball. Dad literally, Dad literally said that thirty seconds ago. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know, but like I've have I have heard that in quite a few other places as well. But it's literally you love the ball, and he just knows he's like, this is my time. This is what I do. He <laughs> like you don't even need and to tell. Look, it's great. I, I think you'll see us use utilize it more after you saw what happened with Tom Kearney in the Arsenal game, where Tom Kearney goes. Yeah, why not? And just slips it down the line and says, Troy, just run after it. And we mm. saw it a couple of times against Spurs where they just sort of said, Troy, just go. Um, yeah. And I think we'll, we'll see us maybe pivot a little bit. I don't think it's going to be our main focus of attack, but I definitely think there's going to be times when we just go, yeah, just just go. Have have one of your runs. Go nuts what, and see what happens. What's with the, uh, but what's with the matte finish as opposed to the high gloss finish? Uh, I think era. he's just a changed man. It's probably a bit warm as well for for high gloss. Um, I know. It's, I it's... mean, he should go at least like satin or something like that. You know. Well, you want like suede Traore, but duck duck that like like you're about to swim the channel. Um, <laughs> um, let's talk about the Spurs goal. Uh, I mean, the main talking point of this game, the whole game revolves around Kenny Tete. Um, <laughs> he's he's his boot splits open which i think dad said that is not a good advert for um i think he's with nike um for his nike boots they've just fallen to pieces completely um absolute bedlam trying to work out what's going to happen i saw an interview with tete post-match where he said he's pretty sure he's quicker than the kit man and i haven't seen the kit man but i think he's maybe making a weight reference there 
Um, <laughs> and he's absolutely bolted down the tunnel. And in the time he's off the field, Fulham down to 10 men again this season. This is the um, second time. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you've considered the Tim Ream sending off against Brentford, the Bassey down, um, you know, it constantly down to 10 men and we concede. And um, it's Richarlison at the back post where you would expect Kenny Tete would, you know, be closing down the cross maybe, or, um, you know, the defense would be slightly shifted across and picking Richarlison up, but down to 10 men concede it as, um, Ash on our live stream, FFC and Mini, says, both Sunday League moment I have ever seen. And it's so yeah. true. Um, can you it's... can you imagine, can you imagine Ken, Kenny's in the room and he's going like this through his bag to try and find an, another pair of boots and he hears the roar of the crowd and he's thinking, did we score? Or No, surely not. Surely, surely we haven't scored. Hang on a second. I mean, I mean yeah, you know, like you know, in a way, end cheer compared to a home end <laughs> goal. So he'd yeah. just be going, "Oh, cannot believe this has happened." I, I'm, I'm literally just picturing the scene in like, like Mike, where like he picks up the two shoes and he's like, "Yes, now I'm ready to go," and then runs back out. Uh, niche references. That was very niche, Sammy. I did get that though, so thank you for that. I know. You're um, welcome. But look, that was well, sure, that was one all. Surely, surely someone on the bench, surely someone on the bench has got a similar shoe size to Kenny Tete. That's what I didn't get. I was like, why did he feel the need to take matters into his own hands? It's very Kenny Tete of him, but like, it's oh, just yeah. like, why? Possibly, but those boots. Remember that they're professionals. Those boots are custom made and molded to their feet. Yeah. That's um. True. So it wouldn't surprise me if yes, someone has the same shoe size, but Kenny's got a slightly narrower foot, and so. Any other one wouldn't fit him, or something silly like that. But, but I mean, but I mean, look, for it, for three minutes, while the clearly, you know, a bit semi obese boot man actually uh, makes. His I mean, way it was. Why does he have to be semi obese? Why are you, you could, making well, well, because, because Kenny Tete made a reference to the fact that he's quicker than the boot man. You leave that poor cobbler alone. He is providing <laughs> for his family. You could see it was pure panic, and he, he just made a split-second decision, and I, it turned out, I guess, to be the wrong one, but you can't really blame him too much for it. Um, so, look, we, we close out the game one all, go to penalties, Carabao Cup. Thank God we don't have extra time because early season players are still gaining fitness. You don't really want to be playing an extra 30 minutes on top. Um, and, guys, what a penalty shootout that was. Oh, my God, um, crazy. Five penalties all calmly dispatched. There wasn't even a, a point where the keeper seemed to get close. Um, Pereira looked like he basically had his eyes closed when he took his penalty. Um, Harry Wilson battering it off the crossbar and Kenny Tete being the hero. I'm sorry, but like it's it honestly, it's such a fucking joke that Mitrovic has been taking penalties for this long, where everybody in our squad seems to be able to do them really impressively. And very, very well. The composure that the guys had is is just ridiculous. Like I, it's so. I'm I'm thrilled, but it's just like, why have we not been utilizing this for this entire time? Well, I think um, I've seen Alexander Mitrovic take very, very good penalties, like side yeah. netting, absolutely blasted away. But the the problem is that when you start missing a few. It's all in your head. It's not. It's not mm. about skill level. It's just about a complete lack of confidence and a complete fear of failure. And no, it just that. got the better of him. 
No, but it got the better of him. So for Harry Wilson, he's not expected to take penalties to come up and just smack at top bins. It, you know, is um, yeah, believable. So good. Love so it. A do- another dollar for you in the Metro jar, Sammy. Um, <laughs> it's going to pay pay for our end of year function, I think. Um, probably your flight across to Perth, I reckon. Um, let's have a quick look at the stats. Uh, Tottenham holding 60% possession to Fulham's 40. Fulham with more shots on goal, though. 14 shots to Tottenham's 10. Both teams had three on target. Tottenham with more passes in the game, 563 to 369. Tottenham's six corners to Fulham's three and fouls fairly similar. Fulham 12 fouls, Tottenham 13. Let's move on from that. Um, Carabao Cup third round. We get a really nice tie against Norwich. Dan and Sam, just very quickly, happy with that, having avoided all the big names? Absolutely. Now, this is an interesting one, Jack, because I seem to remember you have a deep-burning hatred of Norwich. Am I remembering that correct? I know they knocked us out of the Premier League a long time ago, but I'm just wondering if you still harbour that same resentment. No, that's incorrect. Okay. I, I have okay. a friend who, uh, who supported Norwich and... Um, I don't think they've knocked us out. We definitely knocked them out yeah, of we, the Premier League. We knocked League. them out. Um, and he cried. Um, and that was a joyous moment for me. And not a joyous moment for him. But um, no, look, uh, it's 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 not a grudge match in any way. I, I, I do enjoy beating Norwich, though. And uh, that I believe that game, we, we beat Norwich 5-0. That was the last Fulham game I think I went to before we moved to Australia. So it will always mm. hold a special place for me. But... Um, Six nil, sorry, FFC and me has just corrected me on my uh, my memory there. But what a day that was! I remember it was a beautiful sunny day, and uh, sending a, a very good friend's team down into the championship is you couldn't ask for much more than that. Um, but uh, the team I expected we would get drawn against, Man City, are the team we play in the Premier League this weekend. Um, so just quickly running through Saturday, the second of September. 3 p.m. kickoff in the UK. That is a 10 p.m. kickoff on the west coast of Australia, midnight on the Sunday for the east coast. Uh, and in the US, it's a 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern time kickoff on Saturday, the 2nd of September. Dad and Sam, uh, I'll start with you, Sam, because I know that you are, or you were a very keen follower of Man City uh, not that long ago. Um, how are you expecting us to approach this game? Because Man City for the last six or seven years have been a bit of a juggernaut. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still, I still follow and appreciate Man City. I know that's unpopular, but I don't care. Um, uh, interesting side there. I mean, they haven't really gotten off to like the world beater status that they're typically known for. Obviously Haaland's already got like a couple of goals in, but by no means is he looking like going on a tear at the moment, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll rev up like crazy. Um, yeah, City's in a bit of a weird transition point. I mean, uh, Gundogan's just gone, doing a little bit of a restructure as Guardiola likes to do. It's kind of an ideal time to actually play them, to be perfectly honest. I mean, they uh, had their first game against uh, Burnley pretty stock standard not really that much of a challenge can't remember who they played last week um uh, but you know what we've had some really really good games against them um pretty recently i mean the the epic um uh, one where uh 
Andreas and uh, Reem both got mortally injured. Um, and then uh, obviously the most recent uh, one at the Emirates where they got the red card and we really, really took it to them and it looked like we were going to cause the craziest upset I think we've ever done. Um, well, Juventus, but... Uh, yeah, no, this, this is kind of ideal. This is, I, I, I like this. I don't know what this game is going to be. I could be in tears, but I, I am quietly confident, dare I say. Dad? I've, um, I've, I've sort of learned to become more cautiously anxious, if that's an expression, about our fixtures against mid-table teams, to be honest, because I, I sometimes don't know how it's going to go. But I, I simply don't fear these big teams because I think we don't, as, mm. I, as I mentioned before. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe part, part of my brain says um, I shouldn't have a high expectation and therefore I go in thinking, well, this could be interesting. But I, I think this Fulham team really, really gets up for the challenge of, against big-name teams. Um, we saw it at Old Trafford on a couple of occasions. Uh, we were by, by no means the, the, the junior kind of player on the day. I don't think we fear Liverpool. We showed what we could do against Arsenal. I, I know Man City are... An order of magnitude in terms of execution capability above those people, those those uh, teams. But um, yeah, I I I feel like I don't know why, but I feel like we've got some goals in us. Don't ask yeah. me where exactly they're going to come from, but I think they're going to come from multiple people. Um, as much as I really do rate our defence, and uh, I, I think we are solid somehow. We still leak goals. We still do. Mm. And against Man City and Haaland, you have to you have to expect that he's going to breach your defences. Mm. And you, the game could be quite even, but he'll 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 find three opportunities to pull you pull your pants down and make you look stupid. Yeah. Look, I mean, if Sheffield if Sheffield can get goals against Man City. I, th I think we can as well. I don't know what that means, though. I mean, I'm not saying by any stretch that, like, we can be fully competitive in this, but it doesn't feel like we can't not, if that makes sense. Jack? Uh, it doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah. what I will say is um, it, we've we've sort of touched on it a bit in the past where we look at these games as... Uh, I don't want to call it a free hit, but it, it, it kind of is a free hit. Um, the only way we come out of this game being really disappointed is if we conceded like six or seven goals. Um, I mean, you know, we were look, looking forward to the Arsenal game and saying, if we came out of that with a 2-0, 3-0 loss, it's actually a pretty good result in the end. And I think you come into a game like this against Man City and go, you know, if we take a point, it's a sensational result. If we lose by one or two goals, it's kind of understandable because they're the best team in the world and we're doing what we can to get close to teams like this. So it, it takes a lot of pressure off. And like you said, the, the teams seem to be culturally in a really good space at the moment. Um, they seem to be very together and they do get up for these big games. We saw it against Arsenal. The team really seemed to surge forward and, and actually try and, try and win the game. 
Um, mm. it's, it's not a Fulham team that sits back and just accepts a draw. It's a team that push forward and, and try and get results. And so going into these games, I'm just, there's no like nerves going into it. Uh, I mm. just think it, if the worst possible result is to get flogged by six or seven goals. And I just feel like with the team we've got, that's never going to happen. I feel like you'd actually touch on it really well, Jack. I feel, um, I feel that, and and this is this is a natural thing. One of City's strongest um, things is that teams go into playing them really terrified, massively overthinking it, and we don't really do that. Like we stroll in very confidently. Maybe it's the Brazilian thing. Um, there was I, I listened to Tim Ream's podcast with Andreas Pereira, and he was talking about how Brazilians have this thing where whenever they play football, they go in thinking. We are Brazilian. Football is in our blood. So they always go in confidently. And I think that's a massive, massive strength when you go against teams like City. Because if you don't allow them to get in your head, they are just another team. They're brilliant, brilliant players, but they are just another team. And, um, yeah, I had another point as well, but I lost it. Anyway. Uh, you, you know, one one thing I'm really looking forward to, and this is on the presumption that he's selected to start, but... I, I'm really actually looking forward to Bassey v Harlan. I actually think if, if if I was a young defender, I would relish the opportunity to come up against um, Harlan because m- most people would probably be terrified of the prospect and so fearful of being shown up. But let let's face it, if you do a job on Bassey, no, sorry, on, on Harlan, that's a massive showcase for your skills and, you know, hardly damaging for your career. And I, I reckon Bassey's the kind of guy, he's a very confident young man and he's, he's physical, he's quick and he, he's, you know, he, he likes to harass. That could be a great contest. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, all that makes me think, though, is that Bassey's going to get a red card based on that. Because I do agree with you, and I do think you'll get super up for it. But the, with the way that refereeing's going at the moment, I can't see that ending well but, for us. But they're, not, but they're not focusing on that kind of physical stuff. They're focusing on such soft crap, to be honest. Like, you know, mm. time-wasting on throw-ins and a couple yeah, of extra seconds on um, you know, goal kicks. And, you know, it's almost like I feel like here we go again, talking about officiating, but I feel like they can't solve the big problems. So let's make a big deal about the things that don't really matter that much. You know, get VAR right, for God's sake, rather than actually worry about trying to save a second on every throw-in. Oh, there's on, so many me. analogies. There's well, so many that, analogies, that. <laughs> but I can't even bother. There's too many. That was an interesting turn from talking about how Calvin Bassey could match up against Haaland. Um, well, Sam, but, look, Sam I, talked about red carding. Uh, I, I agree. I think um, Bassey, it looks like the kind of defender you want to have playing on Haaland. Someone with pace, sure. someone with power, someone who doesn't look afraid. Um, I, I'm a, a bit wary that he might have the ball nicked off him a couple of times because we saw he's he seems to dilly-dally a little bit on the ball. And I, I, I believe if Harlan steals that off your toe, you're you're kind of buggered. Um, mm. But looking at having maybe Bassi and Diop starting against Harland, um, I quite like the, the the sound of that. And I think we'll be a little bit more careful when marking um, Julian Alvarez, who seemed to get 
missed oh, yeah. last time he played against Man City, which was kind of our downfall. Um, mm. I think we're going to pick him up a little bit closer this time round. And um, look, a, a result is not out of the question. We'll, we'll touch on a few predictions before the end of the pod. But, um, I, I, you know, I think we go into these games, all of these games this season, quietly positive. Mm. Actually, I remember what I was going to say. My my only hesitation as well is that um, I think um, Bassi does need to mature a little bit. Again, I say that with a lot of love and a lot of respect. Um, but yeah, he, he is prone to silly errors, silly mistakes kind of thing. I think he's got excellent potential. He's still super, super, super young. Um, but yeah, I mean, once he refines that, he's going to be a beast, but yeah, he, he's, he, he still makes a couple of little kind of schoolboy errors in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not even sure if that's maturity. I think that's, that's genuinely the pace of the premier league. And I think that's that's where the difference lies. And that was what silver was talking about with keeping out of the side that he's just not quite up to the pace of it yet. But uh, look, I think he probably would have got a little bit of a shock against Arsenal where he got closed down quite a lot. And uh, he obviously came on as well against Brentford after Tim Ream got sent off. So um, I, I think he will, he'll get there. Man City might be a bit of a stretch, but um, look, it's it's good to be thrown in the deep end sometimes. And hmm. it, it's not like you, you're making mistakes against mid-table sides. At least if you're going to make your mistakes, make them against the top sides. Uh, because we're not expecting to get anything from these games. So if you make a mistake that leads to a goal, it's not the end of the world, kind of like it was when Diop made the mistake against Brentford. Um, but look, I, I, I genuinely, I, I love Calvin Bassey. I think he's a great pickup for us. And yeah, yeah once once he's um, fully settled and understands the system and understands the pace of the game, he's going to be a weapon for us, I think. Uh, a very quick look at recent form. So Fulham, uh, a bit of a roller coaster this season. The 1-0 win against Everton, uh, 3-0 loss against Brentford, the 2-0 draw against Arsenal, and then the win on penalties against Spurs. Quick look at City's form. They've got off to a great start to the season. Um, three wins, uh, all without conceding a goal. Um, is that right? No, they conceded against Sheffield United. I don't know why it says 2-0 there. Um, mm-hmm. But look, to be honest, looking at that, they haven't had the toughest start to the season. I know Newcastle mm-hmm. are a good side, um, but playing two newly promoted teams in your first three games um, away from home. Yes, but you'd expect to get wins in those games. So um, it's possible that they come to Fulham having not really been tested so far this season. Um, yeah, could, could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, I'm so with dad. Sorry. Is I, I just to, just to put a final full stop on it. I'm so with dad um, where like, I don't fear these teams. I'm more stressed about playing Crystal Palace <laughs> than playing Man City because that True. that really comes down to like where we actually are, where we're actually going to be fitting. Um, Luton, I, and again, I'm probably a little bit more stressed about playing teams like Luton as well, just because like that's a game where we could potentially go in being like overconfident and then it could like backfire on us. But City Man U's, I'm up for that. I'm I'm super. I'm super ready to go. Yep, nothing to lose. Why not? Um, let's have a quick look at predictions. I asked you guys earlier today to predict this game. Um, and I was kind of surprised, but also not surprised when we all came back with draws in this game. I've gone for one all, Sammy two all, and Dad three all. Um, three all. So, <laughs> where are we scoring three goals from? A couple of own goals there, hopefully. Well, 
No, no, I said to you, I, I, I mentioned that before. I, I feel like I feel like we're going to score some goals. I, I feel like we are going to be incredibly competitive, combative, maybe pressing them. When you think about it, you, you've kind of, you have to press these teams hard, otherwise they'll just never give you the ball, ever. You've got to force an error, right? And I think in doing that, a little bit like we were against Arsenal and like we certainly were against Spurs, it's a different dynamic for this Fulham team, and I really like it when we press hard because we're actually quite good at it, and we do force errors. And I love the way that in like in in the midfield where you'd, you'd see Polinia and Reed hunting like a couple of pack dogs, and you know Polinia will go in very hard, and Harrison Reed will be very close to him. The ball will spill out, and at least one of them will get that spill second ball, and. We, we weren't doing that all the time before, but when we are combative, we're a handful. We're really a handful. And I, I, well, I, think, I think the goal is going to come from around. They'll be shared around. One thing I will say to you is, is reactivate your sports bet account because a three-all draw is currently playing 150 to one. <laughs> um, that's surely worth 10 bucks. Um, Sammy, two-all draw for you. You're obviously seeing goals in this one as well. I'm seeing goal and there's I like it, is it weird to say that if I if I in my brain if City can score three against us <clears throat> on on the given day, I can't see us being able to break through City because I feel like if they're able to score three goals on us, I feel that that is that I feel like that could really really take us out. Um, I I feel like it could potentially be a slow burn. I feel that it's potentially going to be a very early concede, maybe um, our way or theirs. And then maybe miraculously, we could probably get two goals throughout. I'm thinking maybe like early second half and then (laughs) city will be city. And I think they're going to close out. Random, randomly well, very specific, sir. But you know what? But you know, tell me you can't see that happening though. I feel like that's a very kind of like us versus city game. Which language would you um, like me to say it in? I don't know. Look, it's it's been a it's been a lean run. We we have not won a game against City um since two thousand and nine, the very end of the two thousand nine season. Um uh, but one thing I will say, we did go on a barren run where we played uh, four, eight, uh, almost 10 games without scoring a goal against Man City and conceding mm. quite a few in that time as well. Um, the last three games we played against Man City, admittedly one of them in a cup, but last season in the Premier League, we we lost 2-1 in both of those games. So we we have, uh, maybe Silva has found a way to break City down and actually, uh, I'm not saying he's, he's cracked the code or anything like that, but he, he does seem to manage to score goals against this Man City team. We do seem to manage to kind of um, keep them at bay in a sense. I mean, you, you think about the the 2-1 loss at the Cottage. Tim Ream got injured in that game. Um, you think about the loss where De Bruyne dives for a penalty at the very end of the game as well. Uh, mm. These these are tight losses, and, and I'm not going to say unfair, but um, it's probably unlucky for Fulham not to come away with a point in both of those games. So I, I can definitely see us, um, you know, I think we've improved on last season, it seems so far. And if we maybe bring a few players in before the end of the window, if we, we close out something today, maybe, um, we'll talk about some transfer rumours in, in a minute. But 
um, there's a possibility of, of of getting something out of this game. And I, I'm pretty confident that the three of us all predicting a draw hopefully puts something out into the ether that says, you know, let's get a point out of this game. And, and what a start to the season that would be. I know we did lose that game to Brentford, but um, we were looking at the start of the season going, Everton has to be a win, but then it could easily be three losses on the trot. To lose to Brentford, but then pick up points against Arsenal and then potentially pick up points against Man City as well would be a really, really good start, I think. So, um, mm. yeah, fing- fingers crossed here. I, I think we, um, we, we, we're in with a chance of getting something out of this game. I really hope so, at least. A quick look at our prediction league so far. So I'll be asking for predictions before every game, and I'm going to try and keep tabs through the season on how we go. Um, so a correct score prediction. Um, so the exact score, you'll get three points. Uh, if you get the result correct, you'll get uh, one point. So when uh, Fulham draw with Man City, three all, Dad's going to pick up three and we'll both pick up one. Uh, fingers crossed that Dad blasts into the lead of our prediction league uh, by Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's... Uh, Take a very quick look at, oh, not a very quick look. We can take a look at the confirmed transfers in before we talk through a couple of little bits of news popping up in the transfer world. We are, um, oh, it's about 36 hours away from the window closing as we speak. And there's a lot of things flying around, but a couple of confirmed transfers. Timothy Castagna signed just prior to the Tottenham game. 15 million pounds reported from Leicester. He's a very versatile player, can play right and left back, therefore gives us cover for both Robinson and Tete. Um, 15 million, uh, a bit much, Dad, in your opinion, for someone who's likely to be a backup? Because I can't see Robinson or Tete being displaced at the moment. Well, the, the thing is, you know, what what do you do here? Do you, do you roll the dice and sign an unknown? Um, and hope that he he works in the premier league or do you do you go for someone who's pretty tried and tested and pay a, a premium of a couple of million dollars oh pounds I, I know what i would do and that that would be spend the money on having someone who who's you know he's it's worth actually the premium in this guy because you've got the option of left and right right back which potentially means you only need one of them or Ideal world, you get two, but if you only had one, you uh, you are covering both positions. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a good point, Sammy. Your thoughts? I'm sure he's going to adjust to the squad very nicely. I'm sure he's going to be a, a real a good asset to like the rotation. Am am I ex- crazy excited about this? Not. Particularly, I, I I I think there's optimism here. He's definitely Premier League proven. Um, from all accounts, he's he's pretty decent. Um, it's not the sexiest of signings, but sometimes you just got to make those those key moves, and I would call this one of them. Yeah, look, I I think as Dad sort of touched on, and and I touched on as well. This is a guy who is adding coverage to left and right back this season. Um, effectively being signed as a player who can replace the the signing of two players. So you could sort of split that 15 million fee into two seven and a half million pound players. But this is someone who we know has um, 
has experience in the Premier League, has experience playing in Europe as well. Uh, I, I, I like the look of him from what I've seen of him playing. I, I think he's going to be um, in a similar sort of mould to Kenny Tete. Um, not as good as Kenny Tete, but I, I think as a backup option, he's, he's definitely going to be better than Mbabu. He's much better than Kazawa was last year as well. So I think this is a really good signing. Um, and I'm just glad that we, we've got some sort of action in terms of signing new players as well, because Castagna yeah. it, it apparently was one of Silva's key targets at the start of the transfer window. And I think because of the versatility, he was someone that Silva really wanted to bring in because you can just see that this player covers multiple areas where we're, we're light on in the squad. So I, I'm glad Silva's got his man and I, I'm glad we've made the move for him. The other signing is Stephen Bender coming in from Swansea reported £1 million fee which is a really good pickup for a young goalkeeper. Now, it, it does raise a few questions about Marek Rodek's place in the squad. Um, one thing I will say about Stephen Bender, he's he's only 26, he's German. Um, I saw a little interview with him. He's actually from the same village as Bernd Leno in Germany, which is quite funny. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't know each other and they've never met before. So he was very excited about um, training with Leno. But I think it's also good having a couple of um, keepers who, you know, are a very small and tight-knit group, having two guys who speak German, speak the same language, um, and a, a young guy who is coming to Fulham effectively to learn and perfect his trade and hopefully spend a lot of time in training, learning from Bern Leno and maybe becoming our first-team keeper down the track. Um, he's put in a couple of superb performances against Fulham in the past. He was at Peterborough, I believe, um, and kept a clean sheet against us, I think. Um, and made a number of outrageous saves. I don't know if you guys um, follow Jack and Loz, but they um, brought up a post from when we did play against Stephen Bender. He was out on loan, and um, they said it's one of the very few times that they've actually awarded man of the match to an opposition player. And he was he was that impressive um, that they decided that that was well worth doing for, for Stephen Bender. So I, I don't know a huge amount about him, but I'm excited about the prospect i'm slightly surprised that it's a player that we felt we needed to bring in i didn't think the keeper position was one that we were going to try and strengthen but um look for a million pounds and a young keeper i'm not disappointed with the move your your yeah. thoughts we, we we've got we do some funny things with keepers don't don't we we we've signed some really random keepers you know um and <laughs> They, they 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 never seem to feature, and they're like deep deep backup. So may, maybe the uh, the keeper recruitment team actually has strange sway with the the executive management in terms of getting lots of depth in there. I I, I feel that um, can I just say that uh, Marek Rodak take a bow for his mm. game um, the yeah. other night. I, I thought yeah, definitely. I thought that, the, I wouldn't say he's maligned, but he's he's kind of always the bridesmaid, never the bride, and he, yeah. he you know, he he not not just in saving the penalty, but I thought he did a really really good job. He looked confident. He was plucky, and I th- I thought he was great. I really really did think he was great. And if that's his swan song, I, I believe he is moving. Um, but it's on loan, is it? It's not a permanent move, is it? 
Yeah, look, I've I've actually not seen any of the transfer rumors about Marek Rodak, which is weird because I've seen rumors about pretty much everyone else in our squad. Um, but yeah, look, uh, Steve Reynolds on our live stream saying that Rodak to Ipswich is being um, touted as a potential move. It, it's it's possible. Uh, I wouldn't put it out of the. Uh, I mean, I think I wouldn't have thought it would happen uh, a couple of days ago. Now that we've signed Bender. I wouldn't be overly surprised if Rodak does leave on and look, I hope it's a loan move because I think Rodak is a really good keeper. But as we were talking offline about this, I, I do really think that he does need to be starting games at, at a decent level. Um, he's, he's too good to be sitting on the bench for a mid table club. And that's no slight on us and no slight on Rodak. I, I feel like he, he has the potential to be a lower end premier league keeper at the, at, at least, and potentially push on from there. I mean, he's an international keeper. He's he's good enough. Um, and it, it does seem fractionally unfair that he sort of sits on the bench all the time and, and can't break his way into the squad. But there's just no way he's getting past Leno, and I think he knows that. And when you sign a young keeper like Bender, who at 26, he probably has 10 years ahead of him, um, it, it sort of makes sense for him to come across, but Rodak has been sat behind a number of keepers at Fulham over the years now. And I think it's time for him to, to move, move on uh, at least on loan to get first team football. He probably is the most unlucky keeper. I think I've ever seen because for some strange reason, we're not very good at keeping them, but we are very good at getting very good goalkeepers. We're like, we're like her. Like a goalkeeping recruiting Pete Davidson, but we can never seem to hold on to him. Um, uh, I hope we hold on to Leno for like forever because I love him. But um, yeah, like Rodak's been so unlucky. Um, but with that being said, yeah, I I can't. I don't. I'm not sure if I can ever really see him starting for Fulham. So like starting over, I can't. I can never see him being like top choice in like the premier league because we we just always seem to have somebody slightly better i mean who's to say he like crack he cracks like 30 32 and then becomes a beast it could definitely happen but um until then mm, but you can yeah. see you can see I, I i think there was something about him the other night um maybe he felt like he had a point to prove i don't know what it was but there was a confidence about him which one normally doesn't see. It. I'm normally concerned with Marek Rodak in, in in goal because it, it it just doesn't seem to be commanding. He looks like such a lovely bloke, and I know he really loves Fulham, so mm. I always want him to do really really well. But he just doesn't seem to be commanding, and I saw a little bit of that um, the other night. And so, you know, if he starts somewhere and 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 he believes that he's a key member of that team and he's important to them. Who knows how he grows in confidence and what that means for his career. And I, I couldn't be happier for him. Well, I'd, I'd love to believe that Leno is just really taking him under his wing and teaching him how to have absolutely no fear and just like be like steely faced Burt Leno 2.0. Because I mean, in theory, that's what the older keeper should be doing for the young whippersnapper. Isn't that right? Yeah. Look, I, I think Marek Rodak is Fulham's championship goalkeeper. Um, we went um, into the championship in uh, 1920. 
uh, after getting relegated, Rodak played pretty much a full season, 33 games, went up to the Premier League, uh, and he played twice. Then we got relegated again. He played 33 of our games in the in the championship. We got promoted again. He's played twice. Um, and then it's happening again this season as well. Leno's obviously the first choice. If Leno got injured or if Leno was suspended, we would see Rodak come in and play one or two Twice. times. Um, <laughs> he, he's he's basically he's a championship level keeper, but at the very highest end of the championship because he has been our starting our first choice keeper in the championship um, two times where we've been promoted. So he's obviously good enough to be at the very top end of the championship, which means you're good enough as well, realistically, to be at the very bottom end of the Premier League as well. But Fulham are looking further ahead than that now and have better keepers. Uh, I mean, he's he's the perfect candidate to go to a club like Luton, for example, or Sheffield United, where you're looking for someone who's not going to cost you an absolute fortune. Um, and you're looking for someone who's got enough game. I mean, he's played 200 career games now, which is good as a backup keeper who's 26 years old. Um, so look, I, I think, yeah, he, he needs to go to a club where he's playing week in, week out, getting a lot of experience. And I, I think the move to bring Stephen Bender in from Swansea is a move saying, you know, you've, you've done your time Bender in the championship and league one. Now's your time to actually learn from a master in Leno and improve and potentially become Fulham's number one in five, six years time when Leno decides to quit. Uh, a quick note as well, just on on Burnt Leno. Uh, national teams currently getting announced, and Burnt Leno, despite being one of the highest rated players in European football at the moment in terms of recent performances, has again been left out of the German national team. Fascinating, isn't it? I'm not that shocked by that though, because Germany just loves loves goalkeepers. I can probably think of like five German goalkeepers off the top of my head. Go on, Sammy. Okay, um, so um, uh, Neuer, um, <laughs> Leno, <laughs> um, no, no, <laughs> uh, Nubel, Nubel, um, uh, uh, to wait, uh, uh, Barcelona bloke, he's uh, he's Dutch, isn't he? Um, no. Okay, huh? that's enough. Um, yeah, not bad. Um, Ter Stegen <laughs> is the one you were thinking of. Uh, Trap and Bauman were the other two who got picked ahead. Of uh, of Leno, but yeah, look, it's it's disappointing. I think personally for Leno, he's performing out of his skin and getting completely overlooked. Um, very surprising. But anyway, let's have a quick chat before we finish up about some transfer rumors floating around, and all of this is happening pretty much as we speak. It's all unfolding. I don't see a huge amount of weight to it, but um, the first rumor, I guess, is um, Bayern Munich's interest in Jaupolinia. Uh, they've apparently come to Fulham and said, we want him, we're interested in him. This is all coming from the German media, but um, it, it appears that Fulham haven't had a bid come in from Bayern yet for Polina. Um, but there's obviously some interest there. Why wouldn't there be? Polina's the best player in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But look, um, I, I mean, we were discussing it offline and I think every It'd Fulham cool. fan... Well, it's true. Every Fulham fan is probably discussing the same thing as well. Um, Dan, Sam, one word answers. How much realistically would it take to sell Polina? What's the number? Dad first. Um, I'd price him out of the market completely. 180 million for, for me. 
Oh, wow, 180 million. No, yeah, and bollocks to you on where guns is. I probably look, I mean, 150 to 130. I think that is a, I mean, that's like 100 million profit on like whatever we paid for them. I'm not, I refuse to accept that it is nowhere near the same as Mitrovic going to Saudi Arabia. This man loves bleeds Fulham. He's just had a young little boy. His young little boy is decked out in Fulham gear. I I refuse to accept that um, him and his wife are thinking about moving to Germany and upending the wonderful life and community they've created in West London. I mean, he's, he's Mr. Fulham at the moment. He is so loved. He's clearly loving his time. I... I, I I hate to admit it, but yeah, I think we've realistically only got one more season of him. I think he knows that as well. He's going to give us the season of his life, and then we can all cry into our pillowcases that he will probably leave us on a record signing. But you know what? I believe he'll do it with grace. Um, yeah, bollocks to your Bayern Munich. Yeah, look, I I, I think you you're right in the. Metro um, reference you sort of made there. It's another dollar for the jar, though. Um, but in terms of the fact that when when Metro left, it was it was sour. If Polina goes to Bayern Munich for a hundred million, let's say, you can't you can't fault him. You can't be angry at him. We we can all be upset, and we will be upset because he's one of the best players we've seen at the cottage in a long, long time. Um, but you know he's going to one of the best clubs in Europe who have a chance of potentially winning the Champions League, and he'll win trophies there. So if, if he did go, I don't think any of us would, um, you know, besmirch his name afterwards. I think we'd all be totally understanding of the decision. I just feel like for Fulham, it, it doesn't make sense to sell Mitro and then sell Polina with 36 hours left in the window. We're not going to I mean, be able to replace I mean, look, him. This is a hypothetical question because there's no way we're going to magically produce a replacement, an acceptable mm. replacement for Polini if we sold him, right? So there's a magical question around what kind of money we'd love for him. But commercially and pragmatically, you're never going to do it. It can't be done. Mm. Well, I, I mean, the question, the question is um, how much would you accept for him? Uh, in terms of the market value for him, He's got to be up there with Rice and Caicedo, who've both gone for in excess of a hundred million. And so, Easily. for us to accept anything less than that, I think is is poor business. Uh, there's no, I, I know when West Ham was circling, there was talk of a release clause. There's no talk of a release clause anymore, and so I think it's it's actually up to us to set the price now. Um, I, I just I can't see, uh, you know, I, I can't remember who it was on Twitter who made the point, but. Um, it might have been Sammy James from Fulhamish actually, and basically said, um, "How much do you price relegation? Uh, because realistically, if you sell Polina, we're a high chance of getting relegated. Yeah, and and so for me, relegation is it's going to cost you 150 million minimum. Yeah, because that that's the price of selling the player. Um, and that's not even talking about a replacement player and trying to buy someone and and rebuild. I think it's as simple as." Polina is so important to this squad and it, it really sets a tone as well. There's a few people in our live stream basically saying, you know, if if we did accept a bid for 
Polina, I, I would totally understand if Silver walks and just says, no, nah, I can't do this. You've sold Mitra, you've sold Polina. Uh, I said I wanted to keep players as, you know, I think postseason that was one of the biggest things that Silver said. It's not about signing players, it's about keeping the core of the squad together and making mm. sure we don't lose those important players. And then you'd walk into the Premier League season having lost your two most important players. It would mm. be, it would just be a shocking business. And, and I, I can't see us accepting a bid because I, I know there's some players out there. There's uh, Yusuf Fafana. Apparently, we are rumoured to be interested in. He's uh, apparently on the verge of signing for Nottingham Forest. Um, there's a few other players as well who we've been rumoured with, but there's no one I'd really be happy with because I, no. I think you have to spend a hundred million and pay someone three hundred thousand a week to do what Polina does, and and I'd much rather see us. Just double down and give Polina triple his wages. I, there I is, really there want is that to happen. Yeah, and he deserves it as well. Like, given like, honestly, triple his wages and give him the armband, you might as well because he's our best player. He's the most important player I think we have. I think for the past, like, like all of last season as well. I, in my opinion, he was tenfold more important than the other guy who's recently left. Um, nothing in the jar, um, but um, there, like, if. I mean, if they do, if they do sell him, it's just very evident to me that the Khans just only care about money. But I refuse to actually accept that they ever will do that. I even even if he does want to go, which I also think is bollocks as well. I'm not buying that. Like, bless him, he's not very, he's not a very good actor. I don't think he, I don't think he's got um a like a, a maniacal bone in his body outside of trying to kill centre midfielders. Um. I just, I just, I just can't see it in any capacity. I, I have accepted that he will leave next season, and uh, I think, I'm, I mean, I believe that Tony Khan is literally trying to figure out that we need an entire season to figure out how to replace Polina before we can sell him. And I don't think Agreed. we are gonna like do anything until we have guaranteed maybe like two or three like replacement options that we're going to go into hard immediately after we sell him. One thing I would say is this is probably the start of the process of replacing Polina. Like you said, Sammy, oh, yeah, totally. realistically, totally. we've got, we've got, this is our last season with him. Mm, um, yeah. Unless we somehow magic ourselves into European football. And even then I can't see us managing to hold on to him. Um, so it, it is important that, the club starts planning for the future in, in terms of Polina not being there and setting a number and going, you know, we, we want 90 to a hundred million for him. Um, and then working out who is available at that price and basically setting the scouts out and going, find me the next year Polina. He can cost and us I, 50 this time. And I seriously think that's going to take a full season to do that. And I think we should spend an entire season doing that. And I, I can't remember if it was someone in the live stream uh, or someone on Twitter who basically said, what we really need to do is try and sign the next Polina either in the next 36 hours or in the January transfer window, basically spend the money before it's come and bed him into the squad and basically get us into next season knowing what he needs to do and knowing that he's the replacement and he knows the system and it's not trying to shoehorn someone in, which is something that Brighton are very good at doing. Amazing. Um, we talk about Brighton. I'll put a dollar in the Brighton jar. Um, but, but, but it is think, it is something we need to consider. So, but just think about what you just said. So we sign someone for thirty five million 
on a, on a complete steal because no one believes he's going to be this good in the Premier League. Presumably he comes from Spain, Portugal, Argentina, somewhere, right? And he comes in and we're comfortable that he replaces Polina and he's, he's that good. Someone else will want him for $100 million. Well, not necessarily though, Dad, <laughs> because this is the Brighton way. You literally create um, an environment for certain players to thrive, and then literally everyone turns around, and goes, "I want him now. I want him for a hundred million." Um, when no, I know, I know what Dad's play. saying though. He's saying that yes, oh, yeah, we, we bring it, in someone it. for thirty-five, and he'll be worth a hundred. But look, if that's the case in six months, and we turn a seventy million pound profit, it's on a, a great problem. Months, it's a great problem to have. No, no doubt about it. You, you'd be um, saying we'd sell two players and bring in two hundred million. I mean, at that point, your <laughs> options are really open to bring in some you know, incredible what the, what, talent. What that means is that the, the process is working, and we're exactly, actually yeah. starting to do it properly. Mm. Yeah, um, it's not the most. That, it's not. The I, most I would love to see that. It's not the most yeah. romantic type of like football, but you know what? If we start doing that. Oh, I mean, like, keep that model going for like every single player that you sign. I mean, that's a couple more years in the Premier League. Well, I mean, we talk about players going for going to Saudi Arabia for generational wealth. the The sale of players like Polina can actually, in a way, set up Fulham generationally. Mm. Um, you sell a player for a hundred million, and you you spend that money and invest it wisely. You could you could make a killing and and really establish yourself as a as a solid Premier League team for for an extended period of time, which is what we're always looking for. Um, so, it, but it's about being smart. The club. <laughs> well, that? yeah, well, fair, but it's about being smart. No, but like um, we're in we're in such a good position now, especially with somebody like Silver to become like one of those teams, like a Dortmund. Like if we can set an example for like. Say, for example, it's Paulinha, um, and it invites players to literally go, come to Fulham for two seasons, prove your worth in the Premier League, get sold on to like Bayern Munich and then win a Champions League. That's an excellent, excellent way to get really good recruitment. And it's, I mean, it's a really proven business model in this day and age. Every club wants to do it. And if we're in a position to do it, man, let's go. Yeah, well, we'll 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 soon find out. I mean, hopefully this Polini news dies off in the next thirty six hours. I, I really believe it will. Uh, a couple other rumors floating around: uh, the rumor of a Campos from Sevilla. Apparently, the deal is pretty much done. Um, there's just a few things being ironed out before the close of the window. Uh, Alex Awobi was off, and now it's back on again. Um, so again, apparently, it's just coming down to the deal between the two clubs, the players agreed terms already and they're just nutting out um, the the intricacies of the deal. And uh, then an outward uh, move, uh, there's a couple, Congolo is being rumoured to um, potentially be moving to QPR, be happy for him to be off the books. I don't think there's any need for him at the moment. Um, and then Harrison Reed has been touted as uh, potentially moving to Wolves. Uh, Wolves put in a an official bid uh, in the last 20 minutes or so, which Fulham immediately rejected. Um, mm. And Wolves are expected to come back with a second bid, but uh, it doesn't look like, realistically, like that's going to be happening. Um, uh, I'd be incredibly surprised if we had... It's it's weird to think that Polina and Reed are two starting central midfielders in a position we feel like we need to still strengthen in. Um, it'd be strange if we let either of them go at the very end of the window. So... 
yeah, um, interesting times. Um, over the next, I think, Saturday morning, realistically, what we'll do, which is when the uh, transfer window actually ends, uh, we'll try and post a bit of content just to wrap up the window. I know it's it's a bit of an awkward time doing a podcast when there's just a day and a half left of the window actually being open, and it, it does need some coverage before the Man City game. So uh, we'll definitely try and put out some content on um, TikTok, which Sammy is vlogging really hard at the moment and doing a wonderful job on. Um, we'll pop some stuff up on Twitter as well, uh, maybe some more of our little selfie videos. Um, so, guys, look, it's um, been a good pod. I'm looking forward to this game on the weekend. Um, it's it's weird to think that. I mean, I mean, I remember talking about the Arsenal game and not being that excited for it, but it feels like the tide has turned a little bit for us. And I genuinely am excited to watch us play against City and see how we how we do against a really good team. And it feels like this might be one of the first times we get a pretty close to our strongest eleven out on the actual park at the same time. So. Um, very excited to see see what we can do when everyone's out there. And hopefully we finish the game with 11 men as well. Mm. Um, but, Dad, thank you for your time tonight discussing this one. Yep, you're welcome. Enjoyed it. It's good. Looking forward to Saturday. And Sammy as well, thanks for staying up late as always. Nah, thanks for having me. And um, uh, Tash from work who did ask me about this very podcast, if you're listening, I'm very surprised that you got this far into the podcast, having no interest in Fulham. Thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. Can you actually believe if your mate from work listened to an hour and 18 minutes of Fulham content just for a shout out? I told her she wasn't going to do the full thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm just putting that there. If I come in tomorrow and she says something, that's going to be very funny for me. <laughs> Even more impressive seeing as this will be released after midnight. Uh, where you're currently living in Melbourne. So I would be very impressed if she stayed up till 2am to listen to her shout out on a Fulham podcast. Good on her. Well done. Thanks, Tash. I'm not putting bets on that. (laughs) But thank you, Tash. Righto. We're impressed. Let's wrap it up there, guys. Uh, Like we all said, very excited for this game on the weekend. Hopefully next time we talk, we've signed six players, beaten Man City, and we're moving up into the European spots. Um, But until then, come on you whites.